Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental or emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he's gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as he or she personally chooses, while accepting full responsibility for his or her own individual thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and actions. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares. And by listening to this program, you're acknowledging that you, and only you, are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and actions. Test, test, test. Test, test, test. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back to The Last Symptom. This is Brian Barnett, the creator and host. Hope you're all having a wonderful, wonderful week. And I hope you all have a wonderful weekend to come. The main topic for this week, and it's my request, is what do healthy relationships look like? We want to talk about this for a while. And it's going to be an interesting topic to discuss. Last week, we talked about how I've always worked with the assumption that there's a pretty simple solution to most things. And if I can't see it, or if it's too much of a struggle... Well, then it's only because I haven't sat down and thought about the thing enough until I see the solution. And I told you that currently I was trying to get my schedule in balance so that I could make room for all the various last symptom things I wanted to do and get them out consistently at the right times. Well, I think we're there. Uh, I mentioned this in a, a kind of a miniature weekend recording that I posted here on the last symptom podcast, but I reckon it's worth mentioning again the last symptom weekly podcast will now consistently be published by 6 a.m thursday mornings that's new york time or eastern standard time there's also this new resource that i've been making available and that's a these daily condensed video insights that i publish only to the locals platform and I call those orange slices. So the daily orange slice videos are published daily at 11 a.m. So, like I said just this past Saturday, that ain't too bad for two free resources, is it? To know precisely when you can expect them. The Last Symptom Podcast, again, you'll be seeing that 6 a.m. Thursday morning, and, and I made it that way for people who commute to work. And the Daily Orange Slice videos, published daily at 11 a.m. Of course, the Daily Orange Slice videos only publish to the Locals platform. So, you can find those by going to thelastsymptom.locals.com or you can just download the Locals.com app, which is really slick and clean and user-friendly. And then you just look up the Last Symptom community there not going to tell you yet my secret of how I've made all this work but for now I'll just say it wasn't that hard it was like getting those box springs up the stairs that I told you about last week it only required a bit of thought and presto practical solutions began to appear I want to make a special thank you to a couple folks who 
recently added a couple of new iTunes reviews to the Last Symptom podcast. And I appreciate this so much every time it happens, but uh, more so lately. Here's a couple of the reviews. I wanted to read them to you. And, uh, of course, I don't know who these folks were that uh, wrote these reviews, but I appreciate them so much I wanted to express my gratitude here. The first one's from the U.S. It's uh, The title of the review is The Real Deal. It says, I've been following Brian's work for about a year and a half since my BPD diagnosis, and to say it has been life-changing is an understatement. He's incredibly insightful and focuses on the root causes so you can address the real problems rather than just putting a Band-Aid on the symptoms. It's a very different approach than the mainstream, but you really can be free of your emotional disorder if you keep an open mind, can appreciate frank, honest discussion of how your perspectives and attitudes and the source of them are keeping you from true emotional health and are willing to put in the time and effort to change them. Highly, highly recommend. Uh, what a beautiful review, and <clears throat> I really appreciate the, the sentiments expressed throughout it. Of course, that person starred this program as the highest that they, that they possibly could, as did the next person from Australia. This review is titled, The Single Most Helpful Thing I Have Ever Discovered for Emotional Health. Again, five stars. The person says, I started listening to the Last Symptom podcast in an attempt to salvage and understand a relationship I was in with a person who struggled with their emotional health. And while finding out that my partner wasn't at all interested in pursuing this avenue of improvement, I discovered that Brian's podcast and his other social media began enlightening and improving my own emotional health. Everyone can learn and expand their understanding with this incredible vault of information, not only those struggling with emotional health difficulties. I couldn't recommend this podcast any higher. It will make a positive difference to everyone. So again, just uh, outstanding these reviews. Um, I don't think people appreciate just how beneficial these sorts of things are to my overall body of work, how how helpful they are to bringing new people in and giving them an opportunity to benefit from these things that I, I openly share freely. So thank you, thank you, thank you. There are a couple things I have to mention before we get into today's main topic. It's thelastsymptom.com. Of course, that's my website, full free resources. And uh, this show that you're listening to is one of those free services. There are a couple paid services over at thelastsymptom.com. Those being one-on-one phone conversations and one-on-one Zoom meetings with me. And of course, the granddaddy of my work, the Last Symptom Fundamentals course. That is a two-week intensive course designed to help you lay down a solid foundation of accurate insights that can forever change your life and can lead to your authentic recovery from emotional disorder such as borderline personality disorder. Of course, the newest free service that I offer is not at thelastsymptom.com. Instead, it's on the Locals platform, and it's I just mentioned it a little minute ago. Daily Orange Slices, which are condensed video insights, conversations, and suggestions that last between 5 and 10 minutes long. 
Um, a couple of them have run 15 minutes, but that's not, that's the exception, not the rule. Some people have enjoyed supporting my work with just straight donations through thelastsymptom.com over the years. And for those of you who enjoy doing that, I would like to recommend an, al- an alternate idea, and that is to simply become a supporter, a paid monthly supporter over at thelastsymptom.locals.com. Most of the time when I talk about that platform, the way I'll describe it is The Last Symptom Community on the Locals platform. So you would just download the Locals.com app and then join The Last Symptom Community there. There's many communities you can join on there along with The Last Symptom. So you you don't only have to download the app for little old me, but um, of course I'm biased. I think that The Last Symptom is probably the best community on there. But even I am a you know paid monthly supporter to various communities on that platform, and I and I really enjoy that platform. I enjoy the way it's designed. I enjoy its cleanness. I enjoy the quality of the the experience. I just enjoy the heck out of that thing. So the reason why this is a great alternate suggestion to just giving me a straight donation is because the cost is very very modest. Uh, we're looking at seven dollars a month. You know, how much do you pay for your Netflix subscription? Uh, Three times that? So the cost to be a supporter is very, very low. It's very modest. But you can see that when I get uh, a multitude of supporters, you can see then the great support that that brings to me and my work. Now, the, the positive in all this is that you don't have to be a supporter. You can just be a subscriber. And subscribers get access to 99.9% of all the content there anyway. So whether you spend a cent or not, you still have access to to the content. But the reason why I like it for people who are interested in supporting my work in a modest way is that as opposed to just like a straight donation, this gives people the opportunity to support my work while at the same time feeling like they're getting something immediately in return, immediately back in return as a reward. And I like that relationship. So supporters, they get, they get some perks that uh, simple subscribers do not get. Supporters can create their own posts. They can interact with me directly. Uh, they get to see certain private content that I only make available to supporters, such as personal photographs, personal correspondence, emails and that sort of thing things that are much more personal and private to me so again it's just a it's just a wonderful setup and i don't want to spend too much time today talking about these things but you know these technical things because i don't want to bore you to death but for those of you who are not interested in the locals platform i do have my uh, general population last symptom education group on the MeWe platform so just go to MeWe, download that app. What you want to do is down at the bottom of the app, you'll see different sections of the MeWe site. You want to go into communities, and it looks like three circles in a triangle connected by lines. So three little circles there. You click on that, that takes you into the community section of the MeWe site. Within there, you just search The Last Symptom by Brian Barnett. It's really easy, but complicated by the fact that people are so used to 
Facebook's way of doing things that when you go to a new platform, it's kind of like, oh, where am I? Who am I? How did I get here? So there is a breaking in period. That's why I'm telling you how to find the group. But both of these groups on Locals and on MeWe are thriving. And, you know, I'm getting some political activists uh, reaching out to me with unsolicited advice telling me, you know, you really should rethink this. You really should rethink this. Well, what I don't think they understand is that there's nothing to rethink. I've already got plenty of support. I've already got plenty of support and enthusiasm on these platforms. So there's not, there is not a force in the universe that's going to keep me on Facebook. All right? So I appreciate the concern for how you think my work is going to be perceived. But my concern is not how people perceive my work. I've already told people... 100 million times that these decisions I've made to move away from Facebook and over to these new platforms has nothing but nothing to do with politics. If your political fervor is so strong that you just don't want to believe me, that's up to you. I'm not going to twist your arm. The reasons I made these decisions are business because of the business practices of Facebook, not their political leanings or anything like that I just I really could care less I really could care less this is a business decision and like I said if if you're interpreting my my decisions my business decisions through a political lens that's on you that's got nothing to do with me so what I would like to recommend is that you reel yourself in a little bit reel yourself in a little bit get your feet back down on solid ground of reality Stop pretending like you can read my mind and intentions and evaluate whether this information is worthwhile to you or not. If it's worthwhile to you, guess what? Nothing will stop you from from downloading the MeWe app or downloading the Locals app and taking advantage of these free resources that I don't owe you at all, by the way. I don't owe anybody any of it. But it's a real tragedy. If, if your own imaginary political ideology would get in the way of you benefiting from something good. You know, I don't keep driving a shitty car just because my political opponents drive nice cars. Who does that? Do you, do you understand how idiotic that is? I don't keep driving a shitty car if I can drive a nice car just because people who disagree with me politically are driving nice cars. The Locals app is slick. It's nice. It's a great experience. Me, we also. Far superior to Facebook. One thing that I love about it, no, no timeline manipulation. If you just take that one element right there, no timeline manipulation, it's just in that. It's far superior to Facebook. Now, are most people going to stick with Facebook? Sure they are. But why is that? Because people don't like to give up the familiar for the unfamiliar. Because they're lazy. Yeah, it takes a little bit of work to break into, learn something new. But it's they're really shooting themselves in the foot because it is a superior platform. And that's just all there is to it. So, like I said, I wasn't, didn't want to spend too much time on this, but there you go. You dragged me into it anyway. I'm kidding. I dragged myself into that. 
Let's get into today's topic, what healthy relationships look like. Do you remember the difference between a law and a principle? You remember way back in the day when I would talk about the law of individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority, something that the, the entire last symptom work is built upon. You know, it's a pillar. It's one of those pillar uh, understandings that kind of form the the entire the whole kind of hold up the entire rest of my work back at the very beginning I was calling it the principle of individual inherent rights responsibility and authority and then I fine-tuned that I realized that it's not a principle because a principle is something that would improve your life but you don't have to do it a law, on the other hand, is a reality that we're all living with, whether we recognize it or not. And so that's why I had to fine-tune that. The law of individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority describes something that's just its just true in your case, whether you know it or not. An improved life comes from recognizing that it's true. Do you see that? Because once you see it and you understand that that's, that's just the reality you're dealing with, then you can work in harmony with it. When you work in harmony with something, life is easier and the results are better. When you don't recognize something as, as a law, you know, as when you don't recognize that it's just a reality you're dealing with, then the natural result of that is that you bumble along not knowing how to work in harmony with the thing, right? You're just making it up as you go. And then your efforts are always more difficult and the results that you get back are never what you'd hope for. Can you think of any other laws like that just to kind of cement that illustration into place? Think about the law of gravity. Alright? If you don't know about gravity, you don't understand how it works, you don't, nobody's ever told you about it, you're, <laughs> you, don't, you just don't understand it. Now think about how that would affect the way that you approach life. You'd be walking across a bridge. You'd see a friend of yours down below the bridge. And you'd just say, oh, hey, there's there's my buddy. I'm going to go down there and see him. You'd just step off the side of the bridge, wouldn't you? Well, that's the end of that story. Right? When you don't understand a law or you don't appreciate it or see that it's it's just there, whether you like it or not, then you don't work in harmony with it. But a person who knows that gravity is a real thing, the law of gravity, you see your friend down at the bottom of the bridge, what do you do? You, you go searching for some stairs, right? Or you go searching for a path that will lead you down to your friend. You do that because you, you want to work in harmony with the law. That's what searching for the path is. You, you're making a decision in harmony with the law, the reality that you're dealing with. Well, it's no different uh, when it comes to emotional health. So you've got the law of individual inherent rights and responsibility and authority. M most unhealthy people don't even realize that exists. So they're like the person, oh, uh, just step off the side of this bridge here because I don't understand anything about gravity. I don't even know what gravity is. <sighs> you know, Wiley Coyote. So let's set down some laws, right, when we're talking about healthy relationships and what they look like. Number one, <clears throat> now these are all laws governing 
relationships. Emotionally healthy people don't get into committed relationships with emotionally unhealthy people. It doesn't happen. So when I have a partner that comes to me, my husband, he's so emotionally unhealthy. Well, I assume you are too. Because unless the unless you've done the work over the course of that relationship to get healthy, uh, the, the whole reason you two are together is because you're both unhealthy, not just him or not just her. Number two, if even one person in a relationship is unhealthy, then the whole relationship itself is unhealthy. Now, before I talk more about that, let's mention number three. Individually, one unhealthy partner in a relationship might do work to become emotionally healthy, and the person might actually achieve this. There's nothing stopping a person in an unhealthy relationship or who's living with another person who is also unhealthy. There's nothing stopping that individual from doing the exact same work that I did to rid myself of borderline personality disorder and then thereby experience true emotional health myself. Um, so, you, you know, you can see how that could happen in a relationship. You get married, you've been married for 20 years, and then one person says, I've had enough of this unhealthy stuff. I got to figure this out. And then she or he does the work and they get healthy. The person, the individual, not the couple, but the individual does. But it's important to realize that this does not make the relationship healthy. One person becoming healthy who lives, who's in a committed relationship with an unhealthy person, that person's health does not make the relationship healthy. It just means that that individual is healthy. So let's go back to number two. You remember what that was? I said that even if one person in a relationship is unhealthy, then the relationship itself is unhealthy. Gotta think of the relationship like a third person. So there's you, there's your partner, and then there's the relationship. And I like to think of the relationship as kind of like a cloud that you're in, or like a big bubble that you're in. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Uh, number four, there are legitimate reasons why people who are now emotionally healthy would choose to stay in emotionally unhealthy relationships. Now, before we move on here, why do I say that even if one person is the, just the healthiest person in the world, living in a committed relationship with an unhealthy person, why can the relationship itself not then be healthy? Because you can't have a healthy relationship when you've got one, one partner in that relationship living with unhealthy views and perspectives and attitudes. You know, that's what emotional unhealth is. It's emotionally unhealthy attitudes that have never been addressed, never been identified and straightened out. And an individual has to do that on his, for himself or herself. The partner can't do it for you. What do healthy relationships require in order to be healthy? What they require healthy attitudes about things like feelings, the nature of feelings, self, and life. It doesn't matter if one person within a relationship has accurate, healthy attitudes 
attitudes and perspectives about feeling self in life if the other person does not. As, you know, in terms of the relationship, the health of the relationship. Because the person can't give you then. The other, you know, the unhealthy person can't give the relationship what the what a healthy relationship requires. So back to number four. There are legitimate reasons why people who are now emotionally healthy would choose to stay in that emotionally unhealthy relationship. Can you think of any? Well, one reason is that in certain specific circumstances, it might actually be what's best for your children. Your question might be, well, won't the unhealthy person just totally ruin the children? Not if they have one healthy parent, because the one healthy parent can offset and provide an accurate, healthy education for the children. In other words, they're the counterbalance to all the emotional, emotionally unhealthy messages that are coming from the other parent. Um, so, if you've got one healthy parent, then the children uh, are not doomed to a future of deep discontent and uh, unhealthy misery. Think about what a separation does when you've got a separation or a divorce when you're when you're in a relationship and you got children. I have often thought about what would have truly been best for me in my situation growing up and um, knowing what I know now, what would I have liked my mother to do or my father, either one. Well, the first thing I would have liked for either one of them to do is to recognize the unhealthy the unhealthy nature of our entire family dynamic. And I would like have liked for one of those, one of my two parents, let's just say my mom, all right, but it could have just as easily been my daddy. He was just as responsible for doing the same thing. But in my family dynamic, my father was often the, the brute, and he would emotionally just demolish us, uh, me particularly, all night long, screaming at me, breaking me down, you know, breaking down my moral center, you know, breaking me down, breaking down my sense of worth, just just demolishing my my sense of worth. And it would go on all night long. And often, uh, it would go on for so long that I would get to bed and lay down my head. It would be about 4 o'clock in the morning. I had to get up for the school bus at, uh, by 5.36 o'clock every day because we lived so far out. It took uh, our school bus ride was over an hour long. So I, I remember just going to bed just devastated emotionally. I'd lay my head down on the on the pillow, and the next thing I'm standing standing out at the bus stop, just dead, you know, just exhausted, because that kind of type of attack on you, that those sorts of attacks on your on your worth and uh, your value as a human being, but just they just demolish you. I'm trying to, I I'm looking for the words and they're not coming to me. It just utterly demolishes you. It completely exhausts you. And I'd go to school that way many, many times. Just emotionally 
demolished. So my father was the one who would do this. And my mom was the one who I would then run to. And she would give me comfort after these things happened. And you might think, as I did, that that means that he's the bad guy, she's the good guy. But do you see that there was no good guy? (laughs) There was no good guy. They were a team. They were a team. Because her remaining with my father is what supported his ability to do this to me at all. At any time, she could have taken me out of that situation. Or she could have set down boundaries and said, this will not be tolerated. This will not be tolerated. She never did that. So the support, the the kind of motherly tenderness that she would give me after these terrible emotional abuses they seem nice but they are sick sickeningly poisonous Uh, just terrible just terrible I hate abuse I hate any type of emotional abuse but I hate it even more and to a to a degree that I cannot even express to you. I hate it even more when it is done in the guise of something positive and good and loving. What type of abuse can be worse than that? Than the type of abuse that is done in the disguise of being something loving and tender. It's That just disgusts me. It just utterly disgusts me. So now I see the real relationship there, right? Now, remember what we're talking about. We're talking about would it have been be- what would it have been better for my mom to have done then? Would it have been better for her to divorce my dad? What would have happened if my mom had just divorced my dad and took me and my siblings with her? And that was it. That was her answer, was to leave my dad. What would have happened is that she would have just gotten into another relationship like that. You see, emotionally unhealthy people don't get with emotionally healthy people. So the divorce or a separation in that situation in and of itself would have changed nothing except complicated even more. She's going to leave my dad. I me and my siblings got to deal with the pain of that the pain of that separation our lives being uh, tore up by the roots and then down the line mom and dad getting together with new partners themselves as emotionally unhealthy as my mom and dad so now instead of just two parent figures two unhealthy parent figures and environments to deal with now what would we have had four four emotionally unhealthy people to deal with who had authority over us and responsibilities over us so no that wouldn't have been an improvement so what's the what is the only condition then that would make a separation or a divorce even slightly reasonable it's this the parent who's going to leave or divorce or separate must make it his or her uh, primary focus 
to identify how he or she as an individual is unhealthy and do everything he or she can do to get healthy. And if the separation or the divorce is done for that purpose, so in other words, the mom or the dad is in that situation recognizing that this is just not healthy, recognizing that he or she has to get healthy and escape these distorted perceptions and these unhealthy attitudes. And in order to do that, to facilitate that, a separation or a divorce is necessary, then and only then are we talking about something constructive and positive and beneficial that would work to the benefit of the children. Otherwise, you know, the, the children are screwed either way. That's the only way that works. So let me repeat that. The only reason why separation or divorce works out as a benefit to the children is if the person making that decision recognizes that the only answer to anything is for them to focus on himself or herself, identify what unhealthy attitudes and perspectives he or she lives with, and to permanently eradicate those unhealthy attitudes and perspectives. And when looking at his or her situation and seeing that being stuck in this relationship, this unhealthy relationship, is going to greatly complicate that, but that a separation or a divorce might allow the person the space to then focus on himself or herself exclusively and to, to make these corrections, then a separation or a divorce would work to the benefit of the children. Because then mom or dad gets away from that unhealthy environment, maintains a focus in the right place, starts getting healthy, the children benefit. You see? So there are legitimate reasons why a healthy person would choose to stay in an unhealthy relationship. Remember what I said. If you're emotionally healthy, then you can offset the emotionally unhealthy messages in the attitude in the attitudes of the partner for the children's best interests. But if the relationship is preventing you from ever getting healthy or greatly complicating it, then separation or divorce would make sense. Why would it, why are, what are some other reasons why a person would decide to stay in an unhealthy relationship? Well, authentic love, right? You can't experience it while you're unhealthy because the very underlying attitudes that create emotional unhealth or emotional disorder, like borderline personality disorder, just disallow it. It's a complete contradiction. The underlying attitudes at the root of borderline personality disorder and, and other emotional disorders, the very nature of that completely disallows authentic love. But now let's say that this person has gotten healthy, but is still in this unhealthy relationship. She or he might choose to stay for authentic love. Yeah, we can love people who are unhealthy. If you're single, you wouldn't you know, choose to get in a committed relationship with a person who's unhealthy. But Let's say that you're already in a relationship with a person that's unhealthy and you've now gotten healthy and you've developed authentic love for this person. You, you have great compassion and care for this person. You're healthy enough that his unhealthy perspectives and attitudes don't have an effect on you. You might choose to stay in a relationship like that 
not only because of the investment that you've got, you know, let's say that you've been with the person for 20 years, but because you authentically love that person. So uh, I got to add on there, if, if staying, if you're staying is enabling the partner, the other partner, to remain unhealthy, then that's not really an emotionally healthy decision, and that's not really love. So you're not really an emotionally healthy person. So it's got to be a situation where your staying in that relationship is not contributing to that person remaining unhealthy. You see, there's a there's a a lot of variables involved in these sorts of situations. You choose you making a decision to remain with a person, and that decision enables that person to forever stay unhealthy. That's not loving, so, which means that's not authentic love, which means you're not really healthy because that's a selfish, selfish, bleh, that's a selfish decision. It ain't some loving, uh, selfless act, right? So the very nature of a situation like that would mean you're not quite as healthy as you think you are. You've still got work to do. But, you know, I think one thing you'll find interesting about that and might surprise you is that people don't have to be healthy for us, for us as healthy people to see and love them and their potential or for us to love them as people. Now, I got a lot of haters in this work, a lot of people who mistreat me, say terrible things about me, do their best to, to lash out at me and, and treat me poorly. Um, I bear no ill will toward those people. So I hate what they're doing. I hate that they are uh, apparently happy being emotionally unhealthy and would rather spend their time <clears throat> in these totally non-constructive ways rather than use that same energy to get healthy. But, you know, it's their lives. As people, I care about them. Uh, and in some cases, I care about them very much. I don't tolerate their unhealthy attitudes and their behaviors. I hate those attitudes. I hate those behaviors. But you got to be able to separate people from their attitudes and the things they do. As people, there's nothing irredeemable about people. Let me give you an illustration about a bridge now I learned this from a very very intelligent person who I admire very very much and she shared this with me right before she divorced me she said a healthy relationship is like a bridge imagine you've got a, a support column on one end and you got a support column on the other end and then in the middle, you got the bridge, don't you? That span that spans between the two support columns. Here's why you can't have a healthy relationship if one person, if even just one person is emotionally unhealthy. The other person might be as healthy as can be. It does not make the relationship healthy. And... It can be illustrated by that bridge. Now, you imagine if I told you, you go on and drive your car right on across that bridge there, 
But before you do, I want to tell you something. One of these support columns is crumbling and failing and could collapse at any time. But the, the span itself, solid as a rock. And the other support column, solid as a rock. But you go ahead and drive your car across there. It's, trust me, it's just one support column is just terrible. It's just falling apart. It's, it's not in good shape. Would you drive your car across that bridge? And if not, why not? You wouldn't do it because just one column, just one column being unhealthy compromises the entire bridge, doesn't it? It doesn't matter if the span was paved just last week. And it doesn't matter if one of the support columns is as sturdy as a rock. So I hope you can see who the players are in this illustration. The support columns represent the two individuals in a relationship, and the span itself represents the relationship. I think it's a beautiful illustration, and I mean it perfectly illustrates what we're talking about here. So I'm thankful to Diana for her insight you know, a decade ago when she shared that with me right, right shortly before we got divorced. I think she kind of gave that to me as a something to take away and chew on, and I sure did. Now, I mentioned earlier the, the law of individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority. Let's get back to that. In the last symptom two-week intensive fundamentals course, which you can enroll in and take right now over at thelastsymptom.com, I discuss at some point relationships in the context of people's individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority. I don't know if you remember that from from past episodes when I talked about that, but it's an imaginary circle that exists around us in the sand, and everything within that circle is where we possess total and inherent rights, responsibility, and authority. Everything that exists outside that circle is the weather to us. What control do you have over the weather? None, right? So when you see the weather doing whatever it's doing, you can't, there's nothing you can do about that, can you? Well, there's nothing you can do to change or affect the weather itself, but you can make decisions for yourself. For example, you can go and get an umbrella. You can plan a day of indoor activities. But everything outside that circle is out of our control, and that includes other people. Other people who are walking around with their own individual circles in the sand. Do you see that? Everybody walking around with this imaginary circle right around their feet. And they have total control and rights and responsibility and power over everything within that circle. How do you get a a harmonious world with something like that? You know, with seven or eight billion people all walking around possessing complete inherent rights, responsibility, and authority over everything within those circles. Well, the way you get a harmonious world is by having 8 billion people who recognize that, that, that those circles are there. That's how you get a harmonious world. You get a disharmonious world when you get people like the majority of folks out there who don't realize that circle's there. What do you do when you don't realize that circle exists? You step out. You try to step outside of it, don't you? 
You try to step outside of it and enter into the circle of other people's circles. But the reality, because this is a law, is that you can't do that even if you think you can, even if you're totally ignorant to the fact that you can't, and even if the person you're trying to do it to doesn't realize you can't do it. Let me give you an example. A husband tells a wife, you will do this, you will do it, because I said so. And the wife says, well, he's my husband, I better do it. What's just happened there? Even if it's something she doesn't want to do. Even if it's something she fundamentally disagrees with. But she does it anyway. What just happened there? Well, the husband perceived that he could step into her circle and make personal choices for her. And she perceived that he could do it too. But did he? No, he didn't. He made it seem like he did by the fact that the wife complied. But the wife didn't have to comply. When it comes down to it, the wife still only made a decision for herself. She made a decision for herself that happened to not conflict with what the husband was telling her she had to do. But it was still her decision all along. When we get into relationships, what many unhealthy people believe happens to these individual circles we're all walking around in is that they merge, like they overlap or something. They bloop, they kind of merge together. But this is false. This is an unhealthy misconception that unhealthy people make. Nobody's circles ever merge. The only time that that happens is with children. So our children coexist with us within our circle in the sand. They're included in the things that we have inherent rights, responsibility, and authority over, in addition to ourselves. But once they become adult free agents, guess what? They get their own circles or bubbles. And any inherent right, responsibility, and authority we had transfers to them as, as far as relates to them. You know what I'm saying? You still possess inherent rights, responsibility, and authority over yourself. Also, these rights, responsibility, and authority that we have over our children, they are limited. They're limited in time, and they're limited in scope. In other words, we don't have total inherent rights, responsibility, and authority over our children. And it's not indefinite. So there's a time limit on it, and there's a limit to the extent to what, uh, to which those inherent rights, responsibility, and authority apply. We can't just treat our children any way we, we wish. And the responsibilities and the inherent respons- rights, responsibility, and authority that we have over our kids come with grave responsibility. It's a little different than the ones we have over ourselves. What we possess over our own selves is almost limitless, and that's not so with the ones that we possess over our children. Back to this thing about our circles overlapping with other people. Yeah, the, there's a lot of people who say, well, I got married, so now that we're married, our circles overlap. No, that's not what happens. The circle containing you as an individual and all of your individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority within it cannot merge with somebody else. 
think about what we're talking about. We're talking about inherent, inherent rights, responsibility, and authority that belong to you as an individual person. How can adult free agents have inherent, inherent rights, responsibility, and authority over another adult free agent? They can't and they don't. If you believe that this is possible, you're missing the meaning of the word inherent and why, as individual adult free agents, we possess these rights, responsibility, and authority over ourselves and our lives at all. It's true that you make vows at your wedding and that there are expectations upon you, but there is no force in the universe that will make you adhere to your vows and the only reason any expectation coming from other people can possibly hold any sway over you at all is because you yourself give it sway if at any time you choose to walk out the door for any reason whatsoever by the way it doesn't even have to be a good reason you know good I say in like air quotes good reason from the perspective of anybody else at any time you want to do that no force in the universe will stop you. Now, I used to say that no force in the universe could stop you. But, if you're a God-fearing person like I am, then obviously, God could stop you. But, He just doesn't. And why doesn't He? Why doesn't God step in and stop you? Because of the law of individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority. Yes, even God recognizes and respects your free will to make any decision for yourself that you want to. He will not step in and prevent you from doing it. If even God can't lay claim to your individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority, who can? Honestly, who can't? Your husband? Give me a break. Give me a break. You could divorce him tomorrow if you want to. You don't have to do anything. You're doing it because you're choosing to do it. Of course, this is not to say that God isn't making evaluations about you depending on how you choose to use these inherent rights, responsibility, and authority. And it's also not to say that there won't ever be any consequences if you choose to exercise him in ways that that don't please him it's just that he won't interfere in your making those decisions still for those of us who believe in God and I know that many of my listeners don't so I don't want to go overboard with this but it's still quite powerful to me that these individual inherent rights responsibility and authority are so inherent that they are such they are so set in law just the way that the universe works, that not even God himself interferes with them. He wants to see how you choose to use them. So, getting away from the God talk. If we're all walking around in these individual bubbles, and within these bubbles we have complete and total individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority over everything inside them, and if our bubbles don't merge with other people's bubbles when we get into committed relationships then what does happen? 
What happens is that a brand new bubble forms around the two of you. And the individual bubbles you both possess around your own feet remain there. So do you see what I'm describing? There are now three bubbles. There's the bubble around you. There's a bubble around the other person. Both of you still restrained to your individual bubbles. But now there's a really large bubble that surrounds all of this. It's a third bubble. And the third bubble is around the both of you. That's the relationship. You know, it's things that the relationship needs to be healthy. Things that the relationship requires, you know, to be, to operate at all. So, this is the secret to a healthy relationship. Two healthy people. That's it. That's, that's the secret to a healthy relationship. Two healthy people. Two healthy people understanding these things and living in harmony with these laws, particularly the law of individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority. I would like you to imagine an unhealthy relationship. Why is it unhealthy? Why is the husband jealous? See, you gotta, you got to contrast these things. So let's say that one thing that makes your relationship unhealthy is just this tremendous jealousy. you got to ask yourself, where does that jealousy come from? Does it come from a guy who likes himself? No, it doesn't come from a guy. If a guy likes himself, he feels secure. The only people walking around jealous and insecure are, are people who don't like themselves. So we address all these things, these fundamental things, don't we? And now we play, we play a uh, thought experiment to see how these things affect people. And we see why they affect people that way. Uh, so you don't only get jealousy from a person not liking himself, although that is at the root of it, but also you get it when a person does not recognize or respect the law of individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority. When do you get a controlling partner? You get a controlling partner when they don't recognize the law of individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority. In other words, they're enjoying a relationship with you because you're choosing to be there, but you don't have to be. You don't have to be. You're doing that person a great favor by being there. Now, if you understand that and you appreciate that, how does that make for a healthy relationship? Well, think about it the way that a person interacts with you when they, when they understand that. When they understand they don't have any inherent rights, responsibility, and authority over your individual life, over your individual self as a person. How would that attitude affect a person's dealings with you? Would they be making demands of you? Would they be perceiving uh, that you're a child? Would they be treating you like a child? Putting down unreasonable expectations on you. Making demands of you. Getting angry with you for being a person. 
let's look at a healthy person let's step in let's kind of drop in on a healthy family it's like you and i were just going to peek in their kitchen window and they're sitting there chowing down on supper oh honey the squirrel you cooked up for us is delicious why thank you bob and we're just looking at them and we start seeing how they treat each other with respect the wife goes to do something that the husband doesn't particularly agree with how's he going to communicate that he doesn't agree with that you're going to jump up screaming and yelling you can't do that i'm your husband of course he's not if he if he views her appropriately as a as a person he's not going to do that if he understands the law of individual inherent rights responsibility and authority he's not going to do that he's going to say well honey i personally would not make a decision like that but um you know you're going to do what you're going to do and i'll try to support you the best way i can see how that healthy that is uh the husband says i've got a this late thing i got to do after work honey and uh i think it's really important for me to stay after work and do this so i'm going to do it okay she says well um you know i i had plans for us tonight but uh you know, I guess you're going to do. You're going to have to do what you got to do. Uh, I don't have to like it, but I'll respect your your right to make that decision. Also, she wouldn't get jealous, would she? No, because she's a healthy person, right? The fact that the both of the partners are healthy means that she's healthy, and as such, it means that she loves herself as an individual, as a person. Means also that Bob loves himself personally as a as a person. They each love themselves. How does that translate into a healthy relationship? Well, not a lot of jealousy between two people who genuinely love themselves. There's security. There's security in that. And when you get two healthy people in a relationship, then the relationship has security. Bob says, you know, if she's going to cheat on me, then she's just going to do it. Uh, there's not, I've got no control over her as a person and her decisions, her individual decisions as a person, as an individual. But I hope she won't. And, um, but she has a right to do that if she's going to. If she were to do something like that, well, then I would have to make this uh, decision for myself. You know, just like the weather. Can't control her, but I can make decisions for myself leads to security respect um, not getting bent out of shape over small things how about an argument let's say two healthy people get into an argument you know because that does happen so two healthy people in a healthy relationship get into just a, a danger of an argument and the wife in her anger says she's going to do something that the husband just does not want her to do and he disagrees with it just wholeheartedly how is he perceiving that situation i'm going to make sure she doesn't do that no not if he's healthy if he's healthy he says well she can do anything she's going to do as a person individually she can make any decision for herself that she wants to just like i can so he doesn't fight against something like that Instead, he kind of rolls with it. That's a healthy relationship. Um, let's say that the, the husband, the, he just feels like 
in this argument the wife is just not being reasonable her emotions are all you know ramped up and everything she's just not being reasonable well as a healthy person he'd probably say well now's just we're not getting anywhere in this discussion I'm my emotions are ramped up her emotions are ramped up she probably doesn't mean half of what she's saying just like I probably don't mean a lot of what I'm saying right now because I just really can't think straight with my emotions up like this. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to make a decision for myself. I'm going to go take a walk. And he would say, "Hun, uh, we're both pretty upset right now. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to take a walk. I'm going to cool down. When I come back, we'll talk about this. That's a healthy relationship. What is the opposite? It's two people just swiping at each other nonstop, getting nowhere, Emotions ramped up. Nobody's listening to nobody else. They're just blah, 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 and just taking swaps at each other, you know, verbally or emotionally. Wasting their energy for hours on end till the cops get called. Or until they've both said things that are so stupid and so mean that there's just no, no taking it back. You really got to get down to the root the foundations that both types of people are working on. What are they working with? Where's their mind at when they're saying these things, when they're dealing with the other individual? Where's it all coming from? It's all coming from something. It's coming from a foundation of attitudes, perspectives, perceptions, thinking. Is that thinking accurate? Is that thinking healthy? Is that thinking clear? If you just want a wonderful, you know, thought experiment, just sit around and imagine, imagine these situations with people. Is a man who is at peace with himself, he's at peace with himself, he genuinely loves himself, flaws and all. The flaws he can fix, he is quick to identify them and fix them. The ones he can't fix that are just part of being a him, just part of being an imperfect person. He, he's come to peace with those. He's embraced them as just being part of being a person. Is that man cruel to his children? No, no, he's not. He's patient and kind with his children. You know why? Because he perceives them the same way. He cuts them the same breaks that he's cutting himself. Uh, a man who cuts himself no breaks and just hates himself for every imperfection that man is not kind and patient with his children. He's bitter with life. He takes his bitterness uh, and dislike and, and unhappiness with himself out on other people, his wife, his children. Yeah, so many things in recovery are counterintuitive like that. You'd think that a person who hated himself would be kind to everybody. Because he appreciates so much having him. He doesn't feel like he deserves him. But that's not what happens. What happens is the opposite. A person who is bitter with himself, becomes bitter with life, starts viewing people as working actively against him, as being his enemies. Because if, if he doesn't like himself, then he doesn't look around and think anybody else likes him too. Because where does not liking yourself come from? It comes from perceiving yourself as un 
like a bull unlikable it means that you can't be liked even if people try they can't like you because you're not likable so that person becomes mistr- you know mistrusting of the people around him even his own children and his wife gets insecure feels like he could lose it all at any time now he may not consciously understand this but that's what he's walking around with this could i could lose this at any time and i and guess what if i did it's i would deserve that but it's the person who genuinely loves himself accepts his human flaws and embraces them as being as part you know as an important element of being a human in this world that person becomes kind and patient with others because he recognizes that they're dealing with the same limitations and everything and there's a lot of value in a person just trying you know just in trying there's tremendous value in that not succeeding just trying there's a lot of value in that it says a lot of good things about a person it it calls for a lot of compassion and affection so there was more I wanted to say but this show's getting pretty long so we're going to stop right there for now I hope that has given you an idea of what healthy relationships look like and why remember to get to have a healthy relationship you only get it with two health, healthy people that's the only way it works and People are healthy because they're at peace with themselves. They genuinely like themselves. They view themselves as likable and lovable. You get two people like that together, then they give each other the respect that the, each person deserves. They don't demand. They don't make demands. They don't view themselves as possessing rights, responsibility, and authority over anybody else. They recognize that they can't force anybody into doing anything that whatever they get from another person is by their choice by that other person's choice so they appreciate those things more when the other individual makes decisions that they disagree with they look at the situation and try to decide what choices they can make for themselves but they don't try to to overstep and control the other person instead they say they try to be supportive well i don't agree with you making this decision but I can see how it could benefit the us or our whole family. So even though I don't agree with it, you know, if you go ahead and make this decision anyway, um, well, I'll try to support it. I'm not going to try to to work against you. I'll try to support it. Oh, you're going to be late from work tonight. Okay. Well, that's fine. You got to do what you got to do, and I feel secure because I'm secure in myself. My security doesn't depend on you. It depends on me. You got to look at the foundation of what attitudes and perspectives the unhealthy people are living with and how that translates into real world behavior. And then you have to play the, the thought experiment game where you imagine a healthy family living with healthy perspectives, healthy attitudes, and how that naturally translates into healthy uh, real world behaviors now one thing I was going to say is that I was kind of reluctant to, to do a show about you know, okay so healthy families do this this and this because if I do that I know the tendency of unhealthy people unhealthy people say oh is that, so that's what they do 
well then I'll just do those things and it doesn't work like that healthy people do those things as a natural result of being healthy it doesn't work to skip that <laughs> that element and to just mimic superficially mimic what healthy people do you have to understand why they do it why do healthy people do what they do if you can understand the underlying reasons for why they naturally behave that way and think that way then you've got it that's the gold ticket that's the thing you want to work on but just you know healthy husbands never uh, punch their wives that's great but just not punching your wife is not the secret to a healthy relationship you have to understand why a healthy person doesn't punch his wife okay you have to understand why why healthy people treat each other with respect most of the time let's say 90% of the time okay because we're all still just people and as people as imperfect flawed human beings there is an element of just the human condition in there and we're all prone to making mistakes based on the human condition but by far and large you notice that healthy families healthy people by far and large their their natural tendency is to treat people with respect with patience with calmness with understanding and it's only unhealthy people who don't have a tendency to do those things they may get it right you know 10% of the time but that's just not enough not when you can get it right 90% of the time okay so the human condition explanation isn't an excuse it's not a blank check for just what everything I do wrong just human condition no a lot of that is fixable a lot of that is addressable now you might be wondering well <clears throat> there is no such thing as the perfect family and you're right about that but there are such things as healthy families don't let anybody ever tell you there's not there are healthy families just because you and I didn't grow up in one does not mean they're not out there so you're not involved in a pointless activity here listening to this program and trying to make and trying to work on yourself okay you're not involved in a pointless objective so there are healthy families they're all around you and you can have one too folks that's the show this week i hope you have a wonderful uh weekend and i will see you on this show next thursday 6 a.m new york time but hopefully i'll see you even before then on the daily orange slices those many video insights that i've been publishing to on the last symptom community on the locals platform take care everybody mm-hmm.